a month ago, a group of us went to Minster Acres and Hilary and David did a very brave thing. And they asked me to speak four times. And the Lord gave me the subject of encountering God as the theme for that. And how we were richly blessed. It was really, really good. God was with us and met with us. And I'll refer again to that later. But I felt when I was asked to preach for today, I should be looking at Encountering God Part 5. <laughs> and we're going to look at Jesus taking his disciples, three of his disciples, up the Mount of Transfiguration. And there's some good stuff in here. This is really good. It's a story that appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. So it's in all three with subtle variations. And it's a bit like reading three different newspaper accounts of the same event. So to make sure we get it all in, because I know you're hungry for God's word, I've pulled together the three passages and written my own version. So listen carefully. This is what happened. It's, if you're making notes, it's compiled from Matthew 17, verses 1 to 9, Mark 9, verses 2 to 13, and Luke 9, verses 28 to 36. After six or eight days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John with him and led, led them up a high mountain to pray. As he was praying, his appearance was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white as bright as a flash of lightning, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Just then, there appeared before them two men, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glorious splendor, and they were talking to him. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and that of the two men standing talking with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us put up three tents, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was so frightened, he really didn't know what to say. While Peter was speaking, a bright cloud appeared and enveloped them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love, whom I have chosen. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And we're going to unpack that in a minute. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up, don't be afraid. When they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with him, with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen 
until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. They kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. I would like us to look in detail at these, these different things that are going on here. But a lifetime later, Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. I need to start with the backstory, the background of this. Jesus had been ministering for perhaps two years, perhaps a bit longer. So from Matthew's gospel, I went through it and I've counted up what had been going on. Up until this point, there had been eight detailed healings and many other people who were not listed in the, in the gospel who were healed. There'd been four deliverances, four main miracles of calming the sea and walking on water and um, feeding the, the, the multitudes. One person, Jairus' daughter, had been raised from the dead. And Peter, James, and John had been taken in with Jesus in order to witness this. Eleven times, Jesus had taught and the people said, he speaks with authority. He'd chosen his 12 disciples and he'd been training them and sent them out to minister. And then, when we get to chapter 16 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus does a survey. Now, I know you've all had people surveying you about all sorts of things, but this one, Jesus wants to know, who do people say that I am? So, to just to his disciples, he asked that question. And they, say, they answer, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was a major statement, a breakthrough really. And Jesus says to him, you're blessed because Father in heaven's revealed that to you. And then Jesus begins to say on that truth that Jesus is the Son of God, he was going to build the church. And he goes on to, to tell them about his forthcoming death and resurrection. So that's the background. And when we get to chapter 17... Jesus selects these same three disciples, Peter, James, and John, go up the mountain because Jesus wants them to be absolutely certain. They needed to know for sure who they were believing in and who they were following. And I'll tell you why that is, because when we get to chapter 12 of the book of Acts, so not very many, maybe a year or two after this, James was killed, put to death, for being a believer. 
Peter and John were going to be left to be leaders of the church. So it was Jesus being, he wanted to be assured that the people he was leaving the church to would be able to lead it strongly and firmly and that they had a, an inner revelation of the things that were important. It's not just enough to read about it and think about it and study it, though those are good things to do. You need to have an inner revelation of the truth. When the Apostle Paul became a believer, he was taken to Jerusalem by Barnabas. And in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9, he was introduced to Peter and John. And it says there, they were pillars in the church. And they gave Paul the right hand of fellowship and welcomed his ministry. So let me ask you a question. Have you had that inner revelation that God is alive, that Jesus is real and that he died for you? It's important that we each have that inner revelation. So the transfiguration comes. They get to the top of the mountain and Jesus' face begins to shine. The Greek word is metamorphe, from which we get metamorphi. Meta, you know what I mean. <laughs> Metamorphose. I can't say it now. Hang on. My voice, is, my voice is sounding a bit funny. I haven't got a cold. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's nothing wrong with me. Now, don't disagree. <laughs> now, the transfiguration change. It's, a, it's a, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Jesus' face became radiant and his clothes shone. At the prayer meeting in here, 10 days ago, some of us were here praying, just a small group. We turned the chairs into a circle. And I was sitting on this side. Peter and Ken were on the other side. While they were praying, I opened my eyes to look. Their faces were shining. And I thought, well, it's more than just the sunshine coming through those windows. The glory of God was there. Amen. Oh, That's just a little aside. Their clothes were just the same. <laughs> but their faces, they looked young. That's what being believers can do for you. It gives you youth. It's great. Suddenly, in Matthew 17 and verse 3, two other men appeared, Moses and Elijah. And I'd like just to think about these two guys for a minute. Um, we've been singing songs of God's glory this morning, and that's Great, that's setting the scene for the glory of God coming. Why did these two, of all the Old Testament leaders, why did these two come on the mountain, I asked myself. So I looked up in my exhaustive concordance, which is about that thick, which I was given by John and the others at New Life many decades ago, and I counted the number of uses of the word Moses in the New Testament, there were 80. There are 80. Moses is mentioned 80 times in the New Testament. So I thought, well, what about Abraham and David? They'd be good candidates, wouldn't they? Well, Abraham gets mentioned 66 times. 
It's in my league table. Third is David with 58 appearances and Elijah fourth with 29. So it wasn't just how many times were these people mentioned. These are all important pillars from the Old Testament, great leaders. You'll recall that Moses was the one who went up the mountain, not once but twice, with the tablets of stone, and came back down with the Ten Commandments. His face shone when he came down, and they had to put a veil over it. The other leaders asked him to wear a veil because they couldn't bear to look at him. You're all right, Ken and Peter, you don't need to do that. <laughs> Moses was the great deliverer. He had led the people of Israel, maybe two million of them, out of slavery in Egypt. A great man of God. He'd had his tough times, but he'd got the job done. A great deliverer. Elijah, he demonstrated the power of God on that Mount Carmel. In the time of apostasy, the king, King Ahab, was told, get your prophets of Baal to this mountain. And Elijah challenged them. Come on, you make a sacrifice, call for your God, see if he can answer by fire, and then I'll do the same. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That's in one of the songs we were singing about this morning. So the prophets of Baal, they try for about six hours, getting themselves worked up into a frenzy, and absolutely nothing happens. And Elijah taunts them. 450 of them against Elijah on his own. He was the only one standing there. And he says, he builds the, the uh, altar, thank you. He builds the altar, puts the wood on it, the animal on the top. And then in a time, there'd been, there'd been a drought for three years. He says, get the pots of water. And they pour 12 big pots of water. I tell you what, they'd gone past the time of having a hosepipe ban. There was, water was absolutely precious. There was hardly any of it about. So where they got 12 pots of water from, I've no idea. But they poured that on. And then God's fire comes. It burns up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and all the water. And the people... The people of God, the Israelites who were there witnessing this, they, they can't but shout out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And on that note, they take the prophets of Baal and kill them all. And there's a, a revival begins of people coming back to know God. Well, Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights to receive the Ten Commandments. Elijah, shortly after his victory, an angel fed him some food, and he ran off and was 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Carmel. So was it these two things? They had a lot in common. I'm not sure. But I can tell you, at the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi Prophet Malachi says, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Elijah will come. So the Old Testament ends with the people being told, 
Elijah's going to come. And Moses said, uh, sorry, Jesus said, I hope you're following this better than me. Jesus said that John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way for Jesus to be baptized and then to minister. Right. Have a breath. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke is the only one who says that Moses and Elijah talked to Jesus about his departure. Now that's an interesting word, departure. In Greek, you know the Greek word. The Greek word is exodus. They talked to Jesus about his coming exodus. Now, because the three disciples had fallen asleep, they missed out on this, so we don't know exactly all that was said. I've tried to imagine, and I've prayed about this, what were they saying? I think Moses was saying to Jesus, I couldn't have done that deliverance without God's help. Elijah certainly couldn't have done it without God's fire coming down. So I think they were encouraging Jesus, what's to come, God will help you through it. Jesus himself was familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, and he knew the passage in Isaiah 53, which describes almost like an eyewitness account of the crucifixion. So Jesus knew the scriptures. And these two men had come to encourage him to fulfill what, what had been planned. Sometime in my 50 years of being a Christian, somebody somewhere has said to me, at this point on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus had the option of going back to heaven with Moses and Elijah. I, I have prayed about that a lot for this message this morning. I can see absolutely no sign, no evidence of that being the case. Jesus never once decided, I'll go back. He knew he had a job to do, and he was going to fulfill it. So that, if any of you have heard of that teaching, it's wrong. Jesus never thought about going back to heaven. He was going to fulfill his father's plan. And we'll see that at a moment. To show Peter's character, we, we get, we're told... That he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build, let me build three shelters. And that's just his human nature, trying to do something. And it was not necessary because this visitation was fleeting. It was short-lived. And then we move on to the cloud. The cloud comes down. And this is the important bit. Someone asked me what I was going to be preaching on. And I said, listen to him. Because that's what God says. If you've got a Bible which has the words of Jesus in red print, would you put your hand up? Quite a lot. Some publisher had a good idea to make it easy for us to find the words of Jesus. So they put those bits in red. Let me ask you a question then. When God speaks, God the Father speaks here, what color is your print? 
It ought to be in gold. But none of our Bibles have gold letters here. This is what God says. Luke chapter 9 and verse 35. It's where I'd like to look at it. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. What a lovely thing. It was Father's Day last week. I hope fathers, you told your sons how much you loved them. I hope you reassured them. I hope you did. Sons need to be encouraged by their fathers, and so did Jesus. And it must have been good for him to know his Father in heaven loved him. The word where it says that he loved him, it's beloved one. And the Greek word there is agapitos, which is where we get agape from. God's love towards his son was really special. The word for chosen, Luke records, God the Father saying, I have chosen him. I prayed a lot about this. This is the word eklego, which we mentioned at Minster Acres. It's going to the shops and picking, the, selecting the ripe fruit from the stall. Picking that one out and saying, that's the one I want. So I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, what does that mean? I, did you choose Jesus from among many sons or daughters? And I got nothing. And then suddenly the light came on and I thought, now I know what it means. God chose Jesus rather than Moses or Elijah. Those two prophets were great leaders and great men of God, but they could not accomplish what Jesus alone could do. Jesus alone was without sin. He's the only man who's ever lived on earth without sin. Hallelujah. And he was the only one who could accomplish salvation for you and me and for the whole world. Moses had a great track record. He brought a nation free, but that was not enough because that was all outward. The old covenant was an outward show. The new covenant that Jesus brings is a covenant of the words of God written on our hearts, an inner revelation of what he has done for us. That's totally new, totally different. In chapter 4 of the book of Acts, just a little while after this encounter on the mountain, Peter has had a transformation when the Holy Spirit came to him and he now understands things. He understands the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he, said, he declares salvation can be found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Salvation only comes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's why God says, I've chosen him. He's the only one. Who can do it? Hallelujah. So God says to us, as he says to the three disciples, listen to him. Listen to what Jesus says. Read the red letters. <laughs> listen to what Jesus says. When we were at Minster Acres, I gave the participants some homework 
and asked people, I gave everybody a blank piece of paper and said, go away on the first day and write down the questions you want to ask God. And the, everyone did that. And then on the last day I said, now get your piece of paper out and write down what you think God may be giving you as answers. Oh, I was blessed out of my socks by the answers that people shared later. It was wonderful. Some people had received very personal things that couldn't be shared. Others had received really very specific answers, nothing to do with what I'd been saying. It was what God was saying to them. And what a time of fellowship we had sharing that together. Oh, it was great. You can do that too. Go in and listen to God. Jay encouraged this last week, didn't he? He told us, go and listen to God. He's your heavenly father if you've become a Christian. And he wants to speak to you and to me. Listen to him. Last week, I'll just say this, just mention this now. Um, some people put their hands up. I, I, I sneaked a preview when Jay was praying for you. And I saw some hands go up. I don't know everybody, but um, I've recently been giving out these 30 days books to new Christians. And I've got brought some with me this morning. If you've just prayed to become a Christian, this is a little daily Bible study that lasts as a fresh one for each of 30 days. If you'd like one of those afterwards, come and collect one from the front. They're free. And I've just got a new supply of them, so I've got plenty. So we listen to him. We hear what he says. Why should we listen to Jesus? Well, in John chapter 10 and verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They will listen to my voice. So he's the one to listen to. He's the one to follow. Jesus turns around and he sees Peter, James and John lying flat out. They couldn't stand the glory of God. They just couldn't stand that cloud. It was God's presence. And he goes over them and he touches them and says, get up, don't be afraid. I want to offer that to you this morning. If you have been flattened by life's problems and troubles, if you're feeling you're ill and you need some help from the Lord, We'll pray for you this morning that God would touch you and raise you up, that Jesus will meet your need. I was just thinking about this. I thought, this is classic Jesus compassion for people. He doesn't want you to go through life miserable and crushed and put, squashed and put down. He wants you to be lifted up and to shine with that glory of his presence and reflect his presence as you go out from here this morning. Don't go out feeling miserable. Come and get a blessing from God. It's not my blessing, it's his. His blessings are much better than anything I could give you. So whatever, whatever problem you might have had this week, if you need a touch today from the Lord, he's here to do that. I was praying about the service and how we should end it and I felt a word came to my mind, linger. I felt God said, just linger and enjoy fellowship with each other. 
fellowship over teas and coffees. I've seen the cups. They're all neatly laid out. Thank you, Colleen. They're neatly laid out ready. Stay and share fellowship and get to know each other. But if you need a touch from Jesus this morning, come out. as we, Have we got a closing hymn to sing, Joy? Our song? We can, we've got one. Well, let me, let me pray, and then we'll sing a song. And then I'm going to ask Hilary to come and join me in praying for, for people who need prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you spoke to your son Jesus on that mount of transfiguration. You were affirming him. You were telling him how much you loved him and equipping him and assuring him that this plan of salvation was going to be worked out fully and to completion. And thank you that Jesus took strength from that and did fulfill all that you had planned on the cross. And we're the beneficiaries of that this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you for what you've done for me and my friends here gathered this morning. Come and touch us afresh this morning as we, as we worship you, as we bless you, as we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.